play to play.
Do you believe it? Believe what? Everything he said. I don't know if you do or not, but I do. I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm not very uh, rhythmic, uh, rhythm uh, inclined or coordinated person, but <laughs> I believe it. He's a man of his word. My favorite part of that old song, you've never felt me, and you won't start with me. I, are y'all awake this morning? Thank you, singers, musicians, for all that you do. Thank you for your obedience to the Lord. I hope you came expecting to see this morning. Y'all were not uh, very vibrant this morning. Maybe it's just me. Is it hot in here or is it just me? I don't know. It's hot, Dennis. I agree with you. We got this jacket's got to go. Sorry. I kept it on for an hour. That's long enough. Oh, yeah, rest of Children's Church. See y'all later. Um, I know Summer was announcing about the, uh, the family camp, and I know we have a lot of people who like to uh, glamp. And so there are full hookups for RVs for you guys, you glampers. Um, so uh, anyway, there you go. I'm, I am so thankful, so honored to, to be, be a part of what the Lord is doing. We're so grateful that the Lord is blessing and continuing to do so. And I believe, and we say it all the time, and yes, we've said it well before it became a political slogan that the best is yet to come. We say that because Christ is to return. Amen? This week has been a trying week. A very trying week. I began last week preaching on a, on a um, series of messages called Distracted. Has anybody been distracted this week? <laughs> We've, had, we've dealt with a lot and are dealing with a lot, but nonetheless, uh, we're going to remain focused and keep our eye on Jesus. You can turn in your word to Psalm 119 and also Luke chapter 10. I don't think you can turn to both places at one time. If you can, that's talent, but I believe that you can get close. You put one finger in one place, one in the other. The Lord has been dealing with me about distractions or being distracted for quite some time, and I've preached messages on, on different areas, and uh, one particular was 168 hours, and that's the time that you have in a week. And the most of that time is wasted doing needless things. Uh, most people waste over 40-plus hours a week on their phone, tablet, computer, scrolling through some type of social media or whatever. And listen, I ain't against all of that but we need to understand where we're spending our time. In uh, 119th Psalm, we're going to read all of it. I'm just kidding, we're not, uh, because we would be here quite some time. But we're in verses 9 through 16 in the 119th Psalm, and I should be there. I am now. And this is a, uh, a, a personal prayer, a personal cry, a personal plea. We like to make personal things corporately, but we don't want to make them applicable to our lives. And God is a personal God because the Word tells us to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We love to pray corporately. We love to ask for things to change corporately, but the change begins with us. It begins with you and me. And this morning, I'm not aiming to step on your toes. I'm praying that the Lord penetrate to the very depth of your heart. 
Lord, as we come to you now and we come to your time and your word, I pray that you would anoint our ear to hear and our heart to receive. Lord, I'm asking for your anointing to teach and to preach and to rightly divide your word. Lord, that our hearts would be changed. Lord, that the troubled hearts would be calm. Lord, that those that are vexed in their minds, Lord, we know that your word says to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. And I pray that you do that now. But Lord, that you would remove anything that would hinder your moving and operating. And I pray that today you would have your way. And we surrender this time and give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 119, 9 through uh, 16 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? That's a question. By taking heed thereto according to your word. With my whole heart have I sought you. Oh, let me not wonder from your commandments. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. I don't want to start preaching before I begin preaching, but it might be hard too. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Meaning that there are a whole lot more than just the blessings. I will meditate in your precepts and have respect unto your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. The Word of God, we know that we say, and, and when we do Bible school and have those things, that they say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flags and all this in the Bible. And your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We, 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 we know that, right? But many of us have been walking on a dark path because we have failed to make the Word applicable. I can't believe I said that word right twice. To our lives. Therefore, we're walking on a path that we are complacent with or familiar with but yet it is not illuminated because if we're not constantly seeking the Lord his way his guidance and asking him to enlighten the eyes of our understanding we're not in his word we're walking a path that's just familiar but in that familiar path can be things that could hinder you or trip you up if you will Psalm 119 verse 105 says that my my Notice, my path. If you get to verse 105, if you want to flip over there real quick, probably a few pages over because Psalm 119 is a long chapter. But verse, uh, I was there, passed it. Verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Who is this speaking? This is the Lord. The Word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's His path. Whose path? The way of the Lord. It's His. It's singular. There are not paths. There are not ways. Jesus answered this in John 14, verse 6, when Jesus identified that path. Nicodemus was asking. Jesus identified that path. He said, I am the way. The truth and the life. No man come to the... He's not a respecter of persons. No man... He didn't say what color of skin or what social status you had. or No, no man. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am 
that path. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And I am the light that lights the path that I have established for you. But are you walking in? What we have been distracted with is just being busy. Just being busy. So this tells us, and, and it's confirmed in, in John 1, 1 through 5, it confirms all of this. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends, or comprehends it not. Meaning darkness can overtake the light. So Jesus is the word, the light, and he, he shows us his way, the way, very clear in his word. And you can debate that, but you won't change it. We have a lot of people, a lot of theologians on Facebook, Lord help us. A lot of history buffs on Facebook, a lot of politicians on Facebook, and a lot of people who know the Constitution, apparently, on Facebook. And we can debate, and we can argue, and we can want to engage in things, but I want to tell you something. The way, the truth, and the life will never change. I don't care how much you want to argue, how much you want to debate, it will not change. The Word will not change. It has not changed. So we can no longer, we, I'm talking to us, a church, the church, not just Lakeside, but as a whole. We can no longer just quote the word. It's time for us to begin to live it. Hello, somebody. These lights are exceptionally bright today. We've quoted the word enough, and we want to talk about it, and we want to say, but our life stinks. Our representation of Christ as a whole makes people want no part of him. Because we become distracted with being busy. I'm talking to the whole church. And if this applies to you, then, then let the Lord change you. I've been guilty of this as myself. So if we're staying or, or straying or finding ourselves in a pickle. Anybody ever play pickle when you was growing up? You know what pickle is? Maybe we just called it pickle. Where you put somebody in the middle and you throw a baseball back and forth and you're trying to tag them out. We called that pickle. This is where I found myself living most of my life trying to figure out who to run from and which way to go. How could I get back to base safely? And every time it felt like I was going back, something else was coming at me. Until I found that my rest and my hope and all of thy need is found in the finished work of Jesus that I understand I don't even have to be playing this game. Hello? We're wearing ourselves out being busy. Busy with what? Stuff. Doing things. Good things, godly things, scriptural things. So when we find ourselves constantly in this place, this pickle, if you will, it's because we have not allowed ourselves to walk on that path of righteousness. What do you mean? I love the Lord. I didn't say you didn't love the Lord, but what you're doing, what you have done, what I have been guilty of doing, is taking my eye off of Jesus and walking off of the path to find myself in trouble. Outside of God's order, prescribed order of victory, we will only find defeat, frustration, and complacency. How 
did we get here? By being distracted. I have asked the Lord to grow me, to change me, to mature me. I found myself lately preaching in a different manner, delivering a different, the same message, but in a different manner. Because something the Lord has really stirred in my heart is no matter how hard you preach or how excited you get, if they'll push the drawing of me away, you'll do nothing for them. Just give them my word. So we have grown, grown accustomed to styles and deliveries. I'm known to be a little, not wild, but you don't never know what I may say or do. And there's nothing wrong with whatever, but when the word of God is not enough, something's wrong. So the church has made an attempt to change the word. Right? It's going to be all changes. We're going to change the the whole area, I knew it for a while there, back when, I don't know when it was, early 2000s maybe or whatever, there was this movement going on around that we're going to take the kingdom by force. No, you're not. What you're going to do is make yourself look like a jerk and push people away. Because the word says that the, that, 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 that the, the, the kingdom suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Really? The word does say that, but it does not mean that you go out and act like a hooligan to get somebody saved. I mean, that's how Evan loves the Lord, because I got him and gave him a noogie and said, you're going to love Jesus. No. The kingdom suffered violence at the cross. And the Lord took it by force. You are not doing, this is not to me and you. Hear me clear. You're to be a Christian. I, I'm glad I could call this man my friend. Not just an acquaintance. The greatest thing, and, 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 and he could preach, the, I mean, preach like none other. And you guys know, Torrance Nash. One of the things that stuck with me the most, your number one priority, obligation, value in life as a believer is to be a Christian. All the other things will take care of themselves if you are desiring to be Christ-like. So we've gotten to this place by thinking that we need to add to, we need to do this, do that, be busy for the Lord by being distracted with being busy. Because it looks good on a resume. You know, if you go to a church and the calendar ain't full, then they're just a boring dead church, right? Not, not necessarily. But then you can go to a church that is full, every day's full of something, and they could be a dead church. Maybe, not necessarily. We've gauged things on the, 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 the amount of stuff that we can produce as a church, as a whole. What do you offer? I get calls all the time. What do you have for kids? What do you have for senior citizens? What do you have for young adults? What do you guys do? What kind of activities do you plan? Do you draw hopscotch in the parking lot? Do you do this? Do you do this? They always want to know what do you offer instead of who do you offer. And I'm not mad that those questions are asked. And yes, we have these things because our desire is to give you a place not only to believe but to belong. But we have to understand why we do what we do. 
You can book yourself on 17 mission trips a year, and you can go from Panama to, to, to Bangladesh. I don't even know if those are close together. I don't think they are. Or from California to Russia. But if you don't understand why you're doing what you're doing, if you're not giving people Jesus, then all you're doing is spinning wheels and being busy. Looking good. So the church has made this attempt to change the world, and it has. But not in the way that you think. We blame everybody. We blame past administration. We blame current administrations. We blame this. We blame the government. We blame... Uh, 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 Barney Fife and all these. We blame everything. But we won't look in the mirror and say, Lord, what am I doing? What do you want to do with me, Lord? Can I tell you something? I don't care what Lyndon B. Johnson had implemented in whenever he was in office. What are you doing to address What's going on? And what I mean by that is, are you preaching the word and are you being an example of Christ? Because I will quote my mom, and this is the honest, the goodness truth. If you're not anointed, you're annoying. If it's not from the Lord, you're just aggravating somebody. So anyway, the church has changed the world in a way that most wouldn't think. We have became a body of do-gooders. <laughs> do-gooders. Man, when I was in elementary school and when I was in high school, someone wrote me the same letter. She didn't. She, you know, you used to get the, the little little letters and then it would say something about, will you be my boyfriend or whatever? And the box, check yes or no. <laughs> Man, when she gave me that letter, I was like, yes! She didn't send me the letter. But we become a church, a, a body of believers of do-gooders, right? Because we want to we wanna involve ourselves. I got, the, I got the trip. I got the mission trip shirt. Sign me up when y'all go to Honolulu because I know the Lord's calling me there. If, it, if anybody feels led, the Lord is placing a trip to, to Honolulu. I'm behind you, brother and sister, all the way. I will go and pray for you while I'm on the beach. <laughs> But we become a body of do-gooders because we do good things, right? So therefore, the Lord is giving us another crown, another jewel on our crown, and He's, he's putting another level on our mansion. It's, well, this is what we think. I mean, it looks good. It looks good to co the community, and it looks good on the resume, the church resume. Listen, I used to be in construction, you know that, and I, we would go through these resumes, and the office would go through these resumes, and they would send the guys out in the field to me, and I know that their resume was a lie. I said, bro, you can write good, but you're horrible at your job. You're a liar. How do you know? Because you're asking me when we're pouring cement. You like that, Ashton? When's the cement truck coming? It's not a cement truck, it's concrete. I would know they're lying by what they're saying. And see, we, 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 the church, we think we're fooling people. Can I tell you, you cannot con a con man. The devil will see right through you. What are you, what are you talking about? Because I want to tell you something. When their spirit, 
bears witness with your, when I'm talking about when they are not led by the Holy Spirit and their spirit bears witness with your spirit, but yet you're saying, Jesus, they know something ain't right. I'm not talking about you. They're not afraid of you. They're not intimidated by you. It's the Christ that's in us. But we become a body of do-gooders. We've, had, we've got services tailored to people's needs. You know, because you've got half the people can't get up at 9 o'clock, so you move your service back to 11. Or if you're going to have multiple services, have one for the early birds who like to go g- drink coffee before, before Walmart opens up. Now they used to be open all the time, now they're not. But you, the early birds can get in there because then they can have the rest of the day to do whatever they desire. So you got this service, and then you're going to do a later service for those that don't, they hit the snooze button 12 times. And then you're going to have an even later service. Listen, there are churches that have multiple services because of a great thing. They're too crowded. That's great. But we become consumer-driven. We tailor things to what people like. Many pastors will plant churches and they'll take a survey of the, of the area that they're going to and they'll ask, what are you looking for? We become great at giving them things instead of giving them Jesus. We feed the hungry. We clothe the poor. We give assistance to those that fall on tough times. And if you fall on a tough time over and over and over, you're not falling on tough times. You're being not a good steward of what God's blessed you with. We do missions work. We have Bible studies. We've got youth service, kids service, uh, the uh, young at heart. I always want to call them silver bullets, and I don't know why. But it's not this, the young at heart. Y'all need to change your name to the Silver Bullets. That would be awesome. <laughs> that's just that. who, who? What other church has a senior ministry called the Silver Bullets? Now that's great. Hey, we we afraid of change. Come on now. So we have all of this stuff: the senior program and, and so on and so on. Kids church. We have kids water day and field day and fun day and skip a rock at the lake day and all of these things. I don't want you to hear me clear. All of that stuff's fine and dandy, and it's needed. But what are we doing with Jesus? What are, what are we doing? What are you doing with Jesus? Because, see, you, if you've tailored something to what somebody likes and desires, and I love to put things together and paint. I, I don't like to paint, but I'm just saying if this is what you say. I love to, I love to sit in a dunking tank or whatever. Because I like to talk junk and make people mad or what. If that's what really drives, but we should be drawn with the same desire and same passion to deliver Jesus as we are with our own interests. So we've created that place to come, but are we giving them Jesus? So, so listen, I, I'm guilty. I'm always brainstorming. I told Summer last night, I wish my brain had a park gear. I would put that joke in there and leave it. Throw the keys away. I'm always brainstorming. I'm always trying to, how can it be better? How can we make it better? How can we do this? How can we change this? Is it good? Is it bad? Is there something that I am or am not doing? I'm always thinking way ahead. And that's not necessarily bad, but the thing is, I have to realize uh, we can do all of these things, but the very best thing that I can give anybody is Jesus. 
I want to take you to Luke chapter 10, where I told you to flip to. I am not. Bibles need like four bookmarks. I got paper clips all over the place. Sometimes I put them in the wrong place. We're going to go to a place that's a familiar passage of Scripture. Luke 10, 38 through 42. We're going to talk about Martha and Mary. Many of us can identify. Beginning of verse 38 says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her home. Sounds great, right? Fantastic. Come on in, Jesus. Come on into my house. Who wouldn't? I mean, even if he came to your house, wouldn't you open the door and say, come on in? So, so she received him into her house, and, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about, or distracted, what the word cumbered means, about with much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she, not, that she help me. Jesus answered, said to her, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. If you get this today, get this very this phrase right here, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen to do that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Again, we've created this place to come, but what are we doing with Jesus? Martha received him. We receive Christ into our hearts. We receive Christ into our house, his house. Received him into the house, but she was frantic. Trying to fluff the pillows, sweep the floor, clean the closet that nobody had ever even looked in but you. And even clean out from under the bed where you've thrown stuff for 10 years because the new person's coming to our house. Because every time I go to somebody's house, I ask to go to the master bathroom that's in their bedroom, and I climb under their bed and look. No, I don't. Have you ever been to somebody's house fidgeting with something that you probably shouldn't have been, and it falls, and you're like, oh, no. Oh, I, okay, y'all are all saints of God. Praise you, the Lord. I'll get in the back of the line. But she was busy making sure everything looked good. Lord, come into my house, but let me make sure that I impress you with my house. Let me make sure that I impress you with my nice... I mean, I'm sure they didn't have lazy boy recliners then. I don't know what they had. Stuffed sheep or I don't know what they set on. Rocks or whatever. Lord, I want you to be impressed with my stuff. Because you're going to love it here, Jesus. And I'm going to make you the best of the best. And I'm going to serve you the finest that I have. I'm going to give you all that I got. But, but, but I don't just hold on and wait on me. Jesus says to follow him. But we're asking him, Lord, come in, but hold on. Let me impress you with who I am. Do you know he's not? That's why he came in to change your house? 
She was sweeping the floor and fixing the meal and getting all the finest together to serve the guests. She wanted to be a good host, a good servant. But so did Mary. Martha wanted to be the best host as possible, and she, she was doing a great job. She was the do-gooder. Looks good. Martha wanted to impress him with herself and her house. But Mary desired to allow Jesus to come into hers and change her house. Lord, I know that my house is a mess. And I want to sit at your feet and get all that you have to give. Even if it means cleaning my house. Because I can't clean it. Oh, we're going we're going. You know, that thing when I used to build houses, the thing was the central vac systems, and I come to understand that everybody hated them because they were garbage. Just an overpriced piece of garbage that never worked great. So they went out and bought him a $17 Hoover from Walmart that was going to tear up as quick. Because we can clean our house, but we can't clean our spiritual house. So, so Mary desired to allow him to come in and change her. She wanted one thing, to sit at his feet. Martha was busy preparing a meal while Mary was busy dining at the meal that was prepared for her. My God, somebody else. I just want to throw some water at somebody. I don't know why. What are y'all going to do one day if I do throw water? <laughs> Terrence, you're the closest man. We want to make something for Jesus, and we want to give. Listen, there's nothing wrong with giving him your all, and you should. But he's not impressed with your skill. Instead of trying to feed him, sit down and let him feed you. Because the Word tells us that he's prepared a table before us, even in the presence of our enemies, but we've refused to sit and dine. I, I read something, and, 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 and I love it. And it's, it's Ernestine Mobley, that's Torrance's mom. While all this bickering and griping and arguing going back and forth, this statement she made, and I'm not going to quote it verbatim, but she said, I refuse to get up from my master's table and come down to something that don't matter. Martha was trying to clean the house, and Mary was allowing Jesus to clean hers. Martha wanted Jesus to give his attention to her, and Mary gave all of her attention to him. There's a difference. Jesus, bless me. Lord, bless me. Bless me indeed. I'm praying the prayer of Jabez. Enlarge my territory. For what? Selfish reasons? Or so that he can be used in a greater capacity? Can I tell you that the church has prayed a lot of selfish things and used the word so far out of context, it ain't even funny. Well, the prayer, I mean, we're going, the Lord's going to enlarge our territory. Did he tell you he was? Or you just desire that he does? He did ours, and thank God for that. And, one day it may have grass on it. I don't know. But but the question is not what you're doing. It's why are you doing it? That's the question. That's the real debacle of the whole scenario. It's not what I'm doing, but it's why am I doing it? Why am I pastoring a church? To get my name on the sign? To, to, to have people come and say, hey, pastor. No. Because I know the Lord called me to. 
Why am I, why am I playing the piano? Because I like to tickle the ivories? No. So that the Lord can use what he's blessed me to bless somebody else. Why am I singing? Because I've been given a, a voice like a crow or a jaybird? I don't know. Bluebird? It's why are we doing what we're doing? Why are you busy for the kingdom of God? We become so concerned about being the body, the hands and feet of Jesus, that we've forgotten the head. Listen, there are many churches. And listen, I'm hitting here so wrong. It saddens me. It breaks my heart. There are many bodies of believers that don't desire the head, God Almighty Himself, lead and guide. I have never, my hand and my feet have never told my head what to do have never dictated what it does. But yet we expect to be the hands and feet of the body and then ask the head to bless it when he never directed us. We might be gifted, but, but what are you using the gift for? Are we like Martha? Are we busy just cleaning and preparing and doing and we forget actually whose presence we're in? Or whose who's who is, has come into our presence, if it's only making us busy, then we need to reevaluate. Listen. I mean, I've asked a question. I've asked some. Are we, do we have too much going on? It is, it is not about not wanting to do anything. It's just I want to make sure that it's all good. It's all for the right reason. It's all for the purpose of bringing glory to the king. To, to, to the Lord and, and increasing the kingdom of God. <coughs> so what we become as a church is worried about how we can do this and instead of setting at his feet. I want to take you quickly to Matthew chapter 6. If you're in Luke, Matthew's not very far behind that. There's two books. Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. And Again, this is a familiar passage of Scripture. It says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold, hold to the one and despise the other. Cannot serve God and mammon. So here we go against the big issue that's going on, anxiety and worry, because we become so busy that we're worried we can't fit something else in. It says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, or what shall you eat, or what shall you drink, or yet for your body, what shall you put on? Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? Or, and why do you take thought for the raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glories was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore take no thought saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We become so concerned about doing stuff, church stuff, that we've even grown it into a worry about how can we do more stuff. How can we create more stuff? And we've been great at being the hands and the feet, but we forgot the head. Do you know that there is more to pastoring than preaching behind a pulpit or in a building? It's so easy to get up and caught up in being a Christian that we actually forget to be one. I'm, I'm not in a hurry. I want, you, I want you to get this today. That we're so concerned with being a Christian that we forget to be. We're going to talk about it tonight. Paul was passing by somebody he needed to hear from a believer. But we become so distracted at getting to service, at getting to church, or being the church that we forgot to actually be the church. Because our idea has become, let's build a bigger church so we can do more things, to get more people, to do more things. And we forgot to be the church. We become so consumed with doing all the godly things that we have not allowed God to consume us. We become so busy at checking off our boxes and so consumed with being looked at as a believer while we're being consumed with that, the world is being consumed every single day. Because there are things in your life that you'll make time for and you'll set out and you'll schedule and you'll do things around all of that to make sure it happens. When the Lord becomes that important to you and His way becomes that important to you, then you are walking in the will of God. What are you talking about? I'm talking about is anything more important than He? Matthew 4, 19, Jesus said to follow me. Can I tell you that call has never changed. You followed him to the altar, but then you left him there. Because once you got outside or wherever it may be, and you, you, you were faced with this situation, you began to respond in how you know how to. Instead of saying, Lord, what do I do? Nor are we ever told to stop following him. According to studies, listen to this, according to studies, 120 people die every minute. A lot of people died since we've been in here. That's 172,800 people a day, worldwide, die every day. How many of them died without Jesus? How many of them were on your heart? Because if we're praying for the heart of God, then we're also asking for our hearts to be troubled for what troubles His. But our biggest trouble has become our sign's not bright enough or big enough. The carpet's hideous and the paint don't match. And that guy that's supposed to shake my hand didn't shake it. 
so I'm mad. I want, to, I want you to hear me clear. You should desire to do all of these things. They're good things. They're biblical. They're scriptural things. I, I'm not against things, but it's the why. It's all about Jesus. Nothing else matters. The song's been on Israel's hearts. Take, take the world, but give me Jesus. Jesus stopped Martha in all of her selfish desire. He stopped her in her tracks, and he said, Martha, Martha. Go back to verse 41, if you will. He stopped her because he knew what she was about, but he said, Martha, Martha, you're careful and troubled about many things. In other words, you're distracted. But if you look at verse 42, he said, but one thing is needful. And the one thing that's needful, Mary is doing it. She's sitting at my feet, and inquiring and hearing of me and dining at the master's table, and I'm not going to take her away from that to be busy with you. I want to tell you that the Lord will call you and direct you to do things, but He will never direct you to be too busy for Him. Well, I can't, I can't, I ain't got time to pray. I got to get it. Can I tell you, listen, I'm a pastor. I prepare. And, and pastors can be consumed and distracted with preaching. Because i got to get to the office on Monday morning, and i got to come up with a new sermon, and people, if they don't, if they don't like it, they're going to leave. It ain't about you, preacher. It ain't about me. And you become distracted with preparing a, a series or a, or a sermon or a sermonette or a three-point this or whatever it may be that you, you've forgotten why you're doing what you're doing. People lead worship and they, and they practice and they, and they hone the skill and they get it right and there's nothing wrong with sounding good and, and all of that thing. But sometimes we become so distracted with doing good stuff that we forget why we do it. It's all for Him. It's all for His glory. He said this one thing's needful. Mary chose to do that. You chose to clean your house. You chose to be busy. You chose to prepare a meal. And now you want me to choose to take my presence from her so she can be busy with you. No, ain't going to happen. He'll never remove you from his presence. Only you will. While we become so consumed with trying to be a Christian, the world is being consumed every day. Isaiah was charged with a great challenge. And I think of this as you come. I'm winding down. You're wondering. Just hold, hold tight. I've done a horrible job today at marking where I was going, but Isaiah chapter six, he was charged with a great challenge, and he knew what lay laid ahead of him. This was a tumultuous time, a, a perilous time, a time that was much like today. And Isaiah was charged with something, and he was charged with delivering the word of God. This is what he was charged with. But Isaiah knew that there was an issue, and he knew that there was a problem. And he knew and he heard what the Lord was telling him. And he understood this great difficulty, if you will, that lay in front of him. Because he understood how easily it would be for him to get in the way. In Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, And in the year of King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. 
Above it stood a seraphim. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. One cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him who cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me. For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I will dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs of the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and he said, Lo, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Verse 8, Also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Isaiah said, Here am I. I don't want to be busy. I don't want to be distracted. I want to do exactly what you're telling me. Even if it scares me to death. Lord, but first he knew I must tell you and confess to you already who you know. I'm a man of unclean lips. I need you to touch me. I need you to cleanse me. I need you to purge me. I need you to change me. Because, Lord, I want to present myself as a living sacrifice for you. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Because I'm tired of being busy. I want to be about business. You will stand in this place this morning. I'm going to ask you a simple question this morning. One, before I do, I want to make known. If you do not know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, today's the day. If you're watching or will watch this and you don't know Him as your personal Savior, today's the day. How do I be saved? You ask the Lord to come into your heart. You know that you're in need of the Savior. Confess your sin and repent and receive Him as Lord and Savior of your life. To the church I ask this. Who will say, here I am, will send me? Because if you've been just busy, you know. I'm not here to embarrass you. I, I've been guilty of all of this. If I've preached anything over the last however long it's been, I've preached a message of my life. Lord, I'm tired of just being busy. I want to be about your business. I don't want to be too busy for you. If that's you today, step out and say, Lord, here am I. Send me. Send me. Go ahead.
That's about Father's business, not this business. And I know we're made up of every walk of life. We all have stories. But the things that changed all of us are the same. That's Jesus Christ. So as you go throughout this week, you're going to be distracted with stuff. It's coming from every angle. Some of us will call it an attack. It's still a distraction. But I promise you, it's faithful. It's faithful. Turn it. Encourage you to come back tonight if you can. If you can't, tune in at 6 o'clock. We'll be ministering. Remember, uh, youth. What time? 6.30? Whatever. I know. I thought he was on Bible study. I was just kidding. Never mind, youth. Y'all, they'll tell you what to do. But just remember whatever you're supposed to remember. But anyway, we love you guys. We're excited what the Lord's doing. We're excited of what's to come. But remember, if you go eat today, be a blessing. Don't be a nuisance. Bless your waiter or waitress. We love you guys, and we will see you tonight. Be blessed.